Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. When we go to gamble, we go to lose. Even when we win, it's just a matter of time before we give it all back. This is the Bet Slippin' Podcast. Featuring Jeff Clark from USA Today Sportsbook Wire. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I mean, it's the gambling business. Occasionally get punched in the face. You're listening to the Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. What's up, homies? Thanks for streaming the Bet Slippin' Podcast, our 2022 NFL series preview series. Rolls along. I got Nate Dog here, and he's helping me break down the NFC East. We're going to talk about each team's win total, uh, their odds to make the playoffs, their odds to win the NFC East, their odds to win the NFC, and their odds to win the Super Bowl. And we'll go by um, teams that have the uh, best odds or the, the 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 favorite to win the NFC East. Obviously, that'd be the Dallas Cowboys. And we'll end with the NFC East caboose, which is my beloved New York Giants. Nate Dog, what's up, brother? You were talking about uh, how unexciting the NFC East is before we start recording. Can you elaborate on that? Because I agree. Yeah, with I you. think I think we need to have this discussion just right now. Or is it the worst conference in football? It was a couple years ago, no doubt. Is it now though? Are you staging is it worse? In a, are you staging it worse an than NFC the- East intervention? I- I was just about to say that it's either the NFC East or the uh, AFC South. No, AFC. Yep. Which one's got Jacksonville and Houston? AFC and South is pretty whack. AFC South or NFC East are almost the two worst because I honestly think a few teams kind of took a step back this offseason. Uh, well, we can get into that more, but I, I don't actually think the uh, – the NFC East will be as good as it was last year. I think there's no way they get two teams into the playoffs. Really? That's interesting. So, all right, let's talk a little bit about that. The big Eagles guy this year? No, no, but but it's tough fading any of the NFC East teams because they have, like, four of the five easiest schedules in the entire NFL. Like, it's stupid yeah. easy for these teams. Like, And that was my whole handicap. That was my whole handicap last week was, hey – uh, the Jets just play a rock-hard schedule, so under five and a half games. I mean, that was my whole argument, you know? So it's almost flip side this week where I'm like, man, it's it, – I think Washington, if you're giving me Carson Wentz as your quarterback, they're almost so bad, I don't think they can get six wins. Okay, but they got seven wins last year with Tyler Taylor Heineke. Uh, let's, we need to so, have this Taylor Heineke versus, uh, Carson Wentz debate. Absolutely. I, I do. So my pushback on the teams not getting better, this division not getting better is I actually do think you can make an argument. The Eagles, the commies and the giants got better. Um, it's easy to make an argument that the Cowboys will regress, especially after they had such an amazing 2021. But the other thing about the NFC is that conference sucks. Like, Jalen Hurts, he could be the sixth-best quarterback in the NFC, 
He could be, I don't know, like 11. You know, he has a wide range. His team kind of relies on him to to be uh, an above average quarterback, or they definitely do. But I wouldn't be shocked if the NFC East gets gets two playoff teams. I mean, I'm not sure about the Vikings and the NFC North. Uh, the Bears and the Lions will probably suck. Packers should be good. The NFC West has obviously three solid teams, but the Seahawks are um, definitely expected to regress. Uh, the NFC South has two shithole teams. So, I don't know. I feel like the NFC East could get two playoff teams. They had two last year. Again, Dallas won the division um, with a 12-5 and record. And then the Eagles snuck into the playoffs after a 2-5 and start. They finished 9-8. and didn't beat any but winning teams and got smoked. I think, yeah. I think there's an even bigger um, talking point that needs to be had. And in all reality, that's the NFL never should have made it. I know it's just kind of about money, but the NFL never should have made it a 17 playoff. Look at what happened this past season. The Steelers got pepper smacked and the Eagles got destroyed. It's it's almost a waste of a game. The seven seed just doesn't compete with the two seed. I mean, if that's what you want, just give the two seed a bye again. Those weren't entertaining playoff games. Those were wasting my time. Was that was last year the first year of the seventeen format? It was either the first or the second. I don't know how good the first years. If if it wasn't the first year, I don't know how. I don't remember how good the first years games were. But I just remember Steelers Chiefs was horrible and so was i just don't think the nfc held up its end of the bargain yeah the steelers snuck in there you know like mike tomlin did his thing rallied the troops around big ben but really that that playoffs could have been a lot a lot better if if it was the chargers that made it instead of the steelers and they could have actually you know if that game ended in a tie that uh week 18 game between the chargers and raiders then the chargers get in and everyone would have been a lot more excited to see Justin Herbert in the playoffs. Even the Dolphins, the Dolphins would have been the what they win like their last eight straight. That would have been a way more enjoyable team than the, the Steelers. I just think the Steelers were just so not fun last year. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but there were a few teams that didn't make the playoffs that would have made the AFC a little more um, a little more interesting. And I think if the Saints had Jameis Winston for an entire year, I'm high on the Saints. I think they would have edged out the Philadelphia Eagles and given the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a much tougher first round challenge. Um, but I, I, I don't hate your take about the 17 playoff being kind of shitty. I'm going to wait a few years before I make like my final decision on that, because I'm also of the thinking that like more football gives me more things to bet on. And that's awesome. I like that, you know, and I, yeah, just the extra betting playoff game that that's, you know what, whatever, that's a fair point to me. Right, and I don't hate the idea of really rewarding one team in each conference with a buy. Like, I I don't, I, and I, but that being said, I really like the 16 format, and I thought there was nothing wrong with the NFL playoffs the way it were, and I don't think they need to change it. I don't. So, I'm, I don't hate your take. I'm just, I'm going to wait to see how I feel about this uh, in a few, in a few years. Um, but before we get into the into the the handicapping or the the betting breakdown of each of the NFC East teams, let me shout out the odds provider and sponsor of this podcast, Typico Sportsbook, who's a global sports betting leader. That's now live in New Jersey and Colorado. 
Uh, you can make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. Um, new users from this podcast can get a special welcome bonus at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions do apply, though. You must be 21 or older to game with Tipico. Please see their website for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER for New Jersey and 1-800-522-4700 for Colorado. All right, so we'll start at the top here. The Dallas Cowboys are the reigning NFC East champions. They were 12-5 and straight up last year. They had a 12-5 and Pythag record. They lost in the NFC Wild Card round, if you guys, if you remember, 23-17, the San Francisco 49ers ended embarrassingly with Dak Prescott scrambling up the field, looking to get a spike for an end-of-the-game Hail Mary into the end zone, but time expired and made uh, it made um, Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy look pretty amateurish and looked like the moment overwhelmed them. Uh, but the Dallas Cowboys, again, had a 12-5 Pythag record. Um, they were 12-5. and against the spread, first in DVOA, first in SRS by Pro Football Reference. They do have some obvious regression metrics, including eighth in adjusted games lost to injury and plus 14 turnover differential highlighted by Trayvon Diggs' 11 interception season last year. There were five and three in one score regular season games. So there are arguments that the Cowboys are going to underperform year over year. I have another argument that I'll get into in a second, but let me wrap or rope Nate into this conversation. How do you feel about the Cowboys? Um, oh, excuse me. Let me give the odds first. I'm sorry, Nate. So their win total is 10.5 wins. To make the playoffs is minus 260. To miss the playoffs, plus 200. To win the NFC East, plus 115. To win the NFC, plus 750. And for the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl is plus 2,000. Any of those odds or price points jump out at you, Nate? I actually don't hate long shot odds on teams I don't dislike. I think the Cowboys are still going to have the skilled players to be the best team in the division. I don't think that's saying much. But if they can get a top four spot at what was it plus two thousand to win the Super Bowl, plus two thousand, yep. I don't think that's the worst odds you can get. I think when you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. Now in the draft, the Cowboys took Tyler Smith, uh, offensive tackle Tulsa. I assume that's just uh, refilling because what Connor Williams left in free agency. Um, and then in the second round, they took uh, Sam Williams, defensive end, Ole Miss. I assume both of them might slot in as starters. Either way, I don't. I see some regression, but I'm not going to make a bet on the Cowboys. I think they're still going to be by far the best team in this division. And I have a bet that. So I think you got me on last week. I, I love these um, where they're going to finish bets, and yeah. I just love the value that they give when you like one team to win the division, but you also like another team to. I think it's clear that. This division goes Cowboys Eagles. That's a fair statement. I mean, the fo- football outsiders is really high in the Eagles. Obviously, we're going to talk about them in a second. Are you talking about the dual forecast option, where you're mm-hmm. essentially exact to boxing it, so it could finish Eagles one, Cowboys one, or you know whatever they're yeah. So it would it would finish Eagles one, Cowboys two at plus two seventy. 
But is it the dual forecast? Because it could flip. It could be Eagles. Um, oh, okay. You're saying specifically straight forecast. Okay. Cowboys one, Eagles two, plus 270. I got you. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just think the skill players they have are still going to be better. They, they're going to regress. They lost some in free agency. They weren't able to return everyone. They're going to have some more rookie players. But they're they like I said, Ezekiel, uh, CeeDee Lamb, I, I think it's just going to be too much for the division. All right. Um, it's just so I'm having a tough time here because the Cowboys, if we're being fair, really kicked ass last year. I mean, they covered in a lot of their wins. They played well. They they exceeded expectations, right? Um, went over their team win total. I, I see you ready to uh, jump in and say something. What, what do you got? What? Yeah, no, I agree. I think they played a lot of games. I think as America's team, they always try to get them in those primetime games as well. So yeah. um, I think they'll actually have probably an easier schedule this year. Um, yeah. Um, they actually have the 26th toughest schedule, strength of schedule, according to Football Outsiders. So what is that? Uh, seventh easiest? So very easy schedule, despite winning uh, the NFC East. You know, usually if you win the division, you play a first place schedule. But I'm pretty sure the NFC East um, divisions are the NFC North. They play against the NFC North, which is down this year, and the AFC South, which we already talked about is terrible. One of the, one of the only divisions that might be worse than the NFC East. Um, and I'm actually not big in the NFC uh, North either. But um, the the Cowboys, you know. You probably hear this from a lot of quasi-sharps, and it's profitable take, but typically it's profitable to fade the Cowboys because they're America's team. Skip Bayless talks about them all the time, um, and they're just hype, always um, supersedes their actual production. So I thought this was interesting. The, the Cowboys haven't gone over their regular season win total in back-to-back seasons since 94-95. But furthermore, Mike McCarthy was 1-6 to the under in the Green Bay Packers win total in his last seven years in Green Bay. And he's been 1-1 uh, and one to the uh, versus the win total in his first two years in Dallas. So given the trend line for the coach and for the organization, it would seem the under 10.5 would be the more profitable way to do this. I don't really like playing... Uh, team win totals unless they're like a lock or we're getting plus money on it. Let me see what the under is for the for the Cowboys. I mean, win total. and to just hop in real quick, I think yeah. it's worth I think it's worth noting that they they lost a lot in free agency. So if you look at the players that they retained versus the players that they lost, the four highest salaries that were be- between those two situations combined were four people going from the Cowboys to a different team. Connor Williams to Miami, Lyle Collins, Cincinnati. We're going to love him. Yeah. Uh, Cedric Wilson, Miami, Rand- and Randy Gregory is important. I mean, all those players are going to be impactful leaving. So, yes, there, there's no doubt that there's going to be regression. I, I'm not going to suggest taking the over um, in the win total, but I still don't – I think it's just – I'm not sure I see the Jets getting there. Um. Also, just to clear up a couple of things that I made a mistake on, the actual I, I jotted down the Cowboys' um, uh, price to win the Super Bowl like last week, and it went from plus two thousand to plus fifteen hundred. So the market's moving in on the Cowboys, which is obviously interesting. 
Um, yeah, I don't think plus fifteen hundred is enough for me to tell anyone to get behind. I I think two thousand would have been like the cut. Yeah, uh, I hear that. Uh, their 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 win their season win total is ten and a half. It's minus one ten each way, so the market's split on that one. And I said they they had the twenty sixth toughest strength of schedule per Football Outsiders. That was actually last year. This year it gets even easier. It's the third easiest schedule according to Football Outsiders, and they're fourth in net rest edge. So while it's profitable to fade the Cowboys year over year. Their team is still very solid. They did lose some players in free agency, Amari Cooper being the biggest one that they lost. Um, and uh, But they retained their entire coaching staff. Dan Quinn did a great job his first year as a defensive coordinator. He's you know much better as a coordinator than a head coach. Kellen Moore is a hot target for any um, hot offseason head coaching vacancy. I don't think Dak is – I think he's good. I don't think he's great. I think he's somewhere in between 10 and 15 as terms of uh, in terms of best quarterback in the league. Um, and the the other thing that I thought it was interesting when I was reading the Football Outsiders uh, Almanac that came out actually yesterday, um, that Sean Payton – like the, the, the worst kept secret in the NFL is that Sean Payton's taken over this job. And if like Mike McCarthy – feels Sean Payton on his heels or is like a lame duck coach, that's not a good vibe for the team, right? So I'm I, all that being said, the Cowboys did play so well. They have so much continuity, a solid offensive line, solid weapons around Dak Prescott. I can't really fade them in any way. The one market that I was looking at betting the Cowboys and not not so much the Cowboys, but a player is CD Lamb to have the most receiving yards at plus 1300. The reason being, obviously, the Cowboys just lost Cedric Wilson, like you just said, Amari Cooper. So, two of the top three targets last year. Michael Gallup is still on the team, but he he dealt with injuries last year. If he deals with injuries this year, that plus Amari plus Cedric Wilson being off the team just increases C.D. Lamb's workload. One of the other starting wide receivers is a rookie, so he's probably not going to get a lot of looks. And you look at the other players that are ahead of um, C.D. Lamb for this award. Cooper Cup, plus 750, fair price. Got nothing to say about it. I just don't love the price. And him leading the league and receiving yards year over year, or back-to-back years, probably unlikely, unlikely, but it can happen. Justin Jefferson, plus 750, another elite guy I was high on. Um, I thought he was the best wide receiver in the draft with C.D. Lamb. I think that price is fair, but I also think Kirk Cousins is a beta. Don't really want to bet on a, on a Kirk Cousins wide receiver. Jamar Chase, plus 900. No issue with that number. He could obviously win this. Uh, Devontae Adams, plus 1,200. Another a number I don't have much of an issue with. However, I would say it is a little um, too small just because I like Derek Carr. I do, but he's a second-tier quarterback. He's not a top-ten quarterback. Um, and then that takes us to Stefan Diggs, Tra- Travis Kelsey, and CeeDee Lamb all at plus 1,300. Travis Kelsey is another year older. There's going to be a bunch of different options that Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid will look to, and who knows uh, if Travis Kelsey, with his age and with his workload, can actually out uh, receive some of these wide receivers. Stefan Diggs, he probably should be the favorite, so I'll listen to value there. Then C.D. Lamb, again, 
no Amari Cooper, no Cedric Wilson. If the Cowboys aren't playing from ahead um, as much this year as they were last year, that will increase his workload. And and also, they took all of Week 18 off last year. So again, if this if this division race is tighter with the Eagles or the Commies or Giants somehow get into the mix, then C.D. Lamb on a full 18-game workload, he can cash this ticket. Um, I actually like that a lot. And I think when you look at an option like that, obviously as you were kind of going with with even Jamar Chase, you have to marry a lot of things together. You have to marry a, a quarterback that's going to get a lot of yards, not necessarily Kirk Cousins. Then you have to think about where's the competition which is where Chase kind of like he's got T Higgins and Tyler Boyd and, and then Joe Mixon catches it too. And then you have even like Justin Jefferson, is he going to get enough to really beat out um, Thielen? So it's like, who does Lamb really have? You know, no one. And Dak's one of the most uh, throw like pass passing yard, heavy quarterbacks in the league. So I think that take is actually a really, uh, really sharp take. Yeah, not a bad look. Um, I'm not going to take it to the window with me. I probably spent way too much time talking about it. I just thought it was pretty interesting. And if there was a one market that I could see some profit in uh, betting the Cowboys, it, it, it's C.D. Lamb um, improving year over year and and, and, and becoming a, a top five wide receiver, maybe stealing the most receiving yard prop here. So uh, let's move along, though, to the team that finished second and made the NFC wild card round, the Philadelphia Eagles, who finished last year. I believe they were 9-8 and eight straight up. They had a 10-7 and seven Pythag record, so they were supposedly better than their record indicated. They were only 3-4 and four in one-score games. One of those wins was a... Um, or um, one of those one-score games was a backdoor cover against the Bucks in Week Six, which was wasn't really a one-score game. Their odds: um, eight and a half wins. The over is heavily juiced at minus one ninety. To make the playoffs, Eagles minus one seventy. To win the NFC East, plus one ninety. To win the uh, NFC is plus thirteen hundred. And to win the Super Bowl, um, the Eagles are going for plus. 3,000. Um, what are your thoughts on the Eagles? I mean, you like them to, to at least finish second in this division, obviously. Well, actually finish second specifically in this division. Yeah, I mean, I think the Eagles, I think the more thing is how much do you think Hurts is going to continue his ascension year over year? Because um, A.J. Brown is going to matter some, but is he going to be the, the factor that they need? Him to be is Hurts going to be able to get him a ball in in a timely manner as well. I I generally speaking do like the Eagles. I just don't think um, that they're necessarily going to improve that significantly. I mean, they added a lot of talent, especially to their defense. So they retained Fletcher Cox and Derek Barnett, and then they brought in Hassan Reddit. Um, and then even after that, they added. James Bradbury. I mean, you can go down the list of players that they added, especially defensively. So then on top of that, I uh, just had who they what they did in the draft. They added another defensive tackle in the draft. So they bolstered up their defense and they think they're fine with their offense because they were one of the run heavy teams in the league. They're going to put a lot on Jalen Hurts this year. And it's really, if you think Jalen Hurts can deliver, I'm a bit skeptical after seeing him and kind of seeing, I don't think he's as accurate as he seems. So I'm not too heavy on them mainly because I'm not a huge Jalen Hurts believer. Yeah, I'm but the, they beef up their defense to the point where I would take them easy second. 
So I like the, or uh, one of my best bets here is I'm going under eight and a half wins for the Philadelphia Eagles here. It's plus 155 actually at Tipico. A lot of books, if you're not in Colorado, New Jersey, be sure to shop around. A lot of books actually have at nine and a half at like plus 100. I actually prefer the plus 155 payout. Um, And I was looking at them to miss the playoffs, which is around the same price. I actually think it's a little less, plus 140. Here's the thing. I do think the NFC is dog shit. Like, I do think a team could win eight eight games and get in the playoffs. Like, I do think there's a chance. It's very unlikely. probably won't happen. But I'm not going to completely rule it out. So, like, I would hate... um, I'll just go with under eight eight wins at plus one fifty five. Um, like I said earlier, I think the 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 range of outcomes for the Philadelphia Eagles is anywhere from six to eleven wins. Eight and a half is right in the middle. In my head, I think the over under should be minus one ten each way. So if you're giving me plus one fifty five and the under, I'll take it. Um, they were even in turnover differential last year. They had uh, the 28th toughest strength of schedule, so that'd be the fifth easiest. And again, like every other team, the NFC East, it gets easier this year. Second easiest, according to Sharp, uh, Warren Sharp. Easiest, according to Football Outsiders. Um, and Football Outsiders is actually sky high on the Philadelphia Eagles this year. They have them as the third best odds to win the uh, third best probability win the Super Bowl and the third best probability to make the playoffs. The Philadelphia Eagles, which I think is crazy because Jalen Hurts, in my opinion, not even in my opinion, in reality, hasn't developed as a pocket passer. Now, the Eagles started off, like I said, two and five last year. And then um, they ended up switching around their offensive play caller and their offensive scheme to fit more of Jalen Hurts' style. I think they brought in like his college running scheme or implemented that running scheme to get more of the offense, which worked in theory, but it didn't help Jalen Hurts' passing numbers. In fact, he in- decreased in passing DVOA from that point on. His inter- interception rate increased and his touchdown rate uh, decreased. So he didn't get any better um, even though they developed or implemented a, a system he was more comfortable in. He's 26th in both turnover-worthy play rate and on-target passing rate, 21st in quarterback rating in clean pockets, 17th in DVOA and EPA, um, plus um, completion percentage over expectation. So not very good. Didn't uh, look like he was overwhelmed against the Tampa Bay defense in the NFC wildcard round. That obviously is a good defense, but, you know, like there's going to be more of like a target on the Philadelphia Eagles since they are good this year. Also, I am going to push back on the addition of A.J. Brown um, being that meaningful to this team. And the reason is Jalen Hurts. Like, I I love A.J. Brown as a player, but I thought this is so interesting. Hold on. This is a quote that I pulled from the Football Outsiders preview of the Philadelphia Eagles when they were talking about A.J. Brown. better be praising them. So it said, Hurts threw only a quarter of his passes to receivers breaking, uh, running in breaking routes. Uh, dot, dot, dot. As for Brown, nearly 60% of his targets came on such routes. Jalen Hurts doesn't throw the ball over the middle of the field. That's where I, A.J. Brown operates. A.J. Brown, on some books, his 
um, wide receiver um, over under is a thousand yards. I'd be leaning towards the under, even though I'm not crazy about player props here. Um, again, to kind of tie this all down, um, the football outsiders is high on them. I know a bunch of sharps are high on them, but I think their range is pretty wide in between six and 11 wins. I like the plus 155 for the under eight and a half. So that's where I'm putting my money as it relates to the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I don't hate it. I mean, you should if you're going to do the, the the specific forecast. I mean, I don't hate it because I, I hate these last two teams. That's why I don't hate it. All right, let's talk about the commies. Um, so the Washington Commanders, um, they were the Washington football team. Then they were before uh, they were the Washington racial slurs. But the Commanders finished 7-10 uh, and 10 last year, 6-11 and 11 pie fag. 22nd DVOA, 24th in simple or uh, SRS by PFR. Uh, they had a minus five turnover differential, 26 in adjusted games lost to injury. They had the hardest schedule in 2021 because they won the NFC East 2020, and they go to the second easiest schedule in 2022, as is the common theme with the NFC East having really easy schedules this year. Their odds are seven and a half wins. The over is juiced to minus 130, plus 162 to make the playoffs, plus 500 to win the NFC East, plus 3,000 to win the NFC, and uh, plus 4,000 to win the Super Bowl. Um, what are you thinking about? the? the how are you feeling about the commies coming into the season eight? So in a sense, if it's, if it's your only option, I kind of understand it, but I don't. I'm just not going to back a team with Carson Wentz. Um, I know he played reasonably well last year, but throughout the course of his career, I mean, the season before in Philly, he had 16 touchdowns to 15 picks. And honestly, last year, I do understand that some of it has to do with the quarterback situation. But Terry McLaurin declined. I mean, he he went from 1,000, 100 yards to just over 1,000. I think a lot of it has to do with the quarterback. I think there's a big unknown there, but I think losing Brandon, um, what's his name? He was a five. He's like a five-time All-Star offensive guard. Brandon, Brandon like Scherfler or something. Yeah. yeah, losing losing Scherf is gonna matter. I don't know how much they're gonna be able to protect him. I don't think they got better. Um, in the draft, they took. Uh, I'm gonna butcher the first name, but Jahan John Jahan Dotson from Penn State. And then in the second round, um, they added a defensive tackle from Alabama. I don't think they got much better this offseason. And I'm not a huge Wentz fan. I think he's going to get bottled up. And honestly, maybe it's just because uh, fantasy football. But I think losing J.D. McKissick is going to be a pretty big deal for this team. I think he saved them on a lot of third downs. So uh, I have him still on the team. I'm pretty sure he's still on the team. Are you sure about that? Nope, but <laughs> all right, hold on. Let me let me stop you there because you a little okay. According to PFF, I I he is in the left. starting backfield. All He's... right, maybe I'm tripping then. Yeah, but I still hate the Washington, so no, <laughs> that's fine. I'm not, um, I'm I just not... don't trust in Weds, and I don't think their line will be as good. I don't think they did much defensively, so um, oh, it's... I would think some regression is set to happen. It's worse, they did nothing defensively, they were dead last in third down defensive DVOA. Um, so the, one of the things that I wrote here on my notes is, you know, you hear how, like they say the live tour is like sports washing for the Saudi government. 
I feel like Ron Rivera is like coach-washing for Washington's just terrible reputation. Like everyone, yeah. everyone loves Ron Rivera. Great, great dude. People coach, cancer survivor, uh, player coach, cancer survivor. All of his, all, of, all of the players love playing for him. All his former coaches loved playing, uh, loved him as a player. Um, no one has anything bad to say about Ron Rivera, but no one could say anything good about their owner, Daniel Snyder, or the direction of Washington's franchise since he took over. Or just the culture that they have there, and that matters. I mean, that's going to be impactful for their team. And here's how it matters. They signed three free agents this this uh, offseason, and all of them played for Ron Rivera. They can't attract anyone, anyone. No one wants to play for the Washington Commies because their reputation is, their culture is terrible. Like, Trent Williams probably a Hall of Fame left tackle demanded a trade and just quit playing for the Washington uh, the Washington football team. Again, you have this looming sexual harassment beef or excuse me, lawsuit where Congress is like trying to talk Daniel Snyder into 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 actually testifying. I don't understand how that's a thing, whatever. Um, but they made really no blockbuster moves in free agents. They added a couple guards to make up for the loss of Brandon Scherf, Trey Turner, and Andrew Norwell. Norwell, excuse me, again, guys that um, played for Rod and Rivera. And the defense, like I said earlier, was epically bad this year. Last year, the thing is, like when defenses are terrible, usually there's wholesale changes. These fools retain most of their players and the coaching staff, so they're just they're just running it back. They're just running it back. Let's just let's just hope Chase Young's our savior this year. I I, I actually have something here. Hold on. I don't hate uh, sprinkling a tenth of a unit on Chase Chase Young, comeback player of the year, plus thirteen hundred, because again, this is according to Football Outsiders is a preview, but his numbers were bad. He was injured, but. When he was on the field, he got pressures. He hurried the quarterback. He he was pretty good. So if he's healthy for another year, I think that kid's going to be special. I could see him winning comeback player of the year. So I wouldn't hate it like a tenth of a unit on there. As far as Carson Wentz, I'm higher than on him than everyone else. But I, I, I'm starting to feel – not starting. I, I feel pretty stupid about the whole thing, right? I mean, I have my interpretation the way he plays. However, people that make – a lot more money and know a lot more about this than I do, i.e. the coaching staffs, don't like him. Third team in three years. Apparently, dude sucks either in the locker room or in practice. He's not very good on the field. Some of the, the mistakes that he made last year for the Colts cost him the playoffs. Like He's the reason they didn't make the playoffs. His numbers actually looked pretty good, um, and I do think there's a chance that uh, he could be the second, if not the best, quarterback in this terrible, terrible division. I know that's crazy, but I'm not high on Dak. Um, but I think it says a lot that the Colts cut bait with Wentz, despite giving up a first-round pick, and they didn't know they were getting Matt Ryan. They were just straight up like, nah, Carson Wentz ain't it. We're done with this dude. We'll go to we'll go back to Jacoby Brissett if need be, but we are not going back to Carson Wentz. Um but, you know, he needs to be coddled. He doesn't make winning plays. A lot of his numbers, again, weren't horrible, but you can make an argument that it was because Frank Reich is a great play crawler. Here's the one look that I am going to take to the window with me here for the Washington Commanders. I'm, more or less, it's a sprinkle because it's such a juicy payout. You already brought his name up. 
Terry McLaurin plus 5,000 most wide receiver yards. Okay, so he had a productive season the last two years, last three years. He's never played with a good quarterback. Never. Carson Wentz isn't a good quarterback, but Carson Wentz force-fed Michael Pittman the ball last year. Force-fed him. He was Wentz's number one target on third down, under pressure, versus the blitz, and in the red zone. I think Terry McLaurin's going to get a lot of balls thrown in his direction, right? And this plus 5,000 number is so juicy. Also, Washington's defense sucks, so they could be behind and be throwing a lot, right? And we've seen Carson Wentz essentially close his eyes and just throw the ball downfield. Hey, maybe McLaurin catches like four of those stupid 50-yard passes with his eyes closed. Um, And it's such a juicy payout. Also, um, you know, obviously Washington plays a very weak schedule, so maybe McLaurin um, gets to feast on easy defenses. Wentz's numbers aren't very good, but um, I just... Outside of the McLaurin look, which is, again, a sprinkle, there's just not an easy way to short Washington here. The schedule is too easy. There's too many progression metrics between turnover differential. The over-under is kind of set too low, too. Seven and a half, I just – with their schedule, you can't hate putting something on the over on that. I mean – right. They're they're seven and ten last year. They they can't be a game better. I mean, like – I know when sucks. He's better than Taylor he's Heineke. He's not a he crazy is. huge loser. He's not. I mean, he's had success at times throughout his career. Right. Um, he's had, as a starter, his career record is 40, 44 and 40. He's had one, two, three, three winning seasons out of his six years. So, like, I don't know. Like, going from seven to eight wins with Wentz, um uh, and switching out Heineke, I think that's doable, right? Like I, I don't see enough value in the under where I'm sitting here telling all the bet slip and podcast listeners, hey, hit Washington's under. I don't, it's not. It's I, I don't see that, and I'm not high on this team either. So uh, that's all I got on Washington. You got any 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 more? No, I indirectly have a play on them uh, with the Giants, but not really. All right, so you just want to talk about it in our Giants section here? Yeah, let's talk about your favorite team. <laughs> yeah, my New York Giants. Uh, their win total seven and a half. Heavy juice in the under minus one forty five, plus one eighty five to make the playoffs, plus six fifty to win the NFC East, plus four thousand to win the NFC, plus nine thousand to win the Super Bowl. They've been a dumpster fire and pretty much the worst franchise uh, in the NFL over the last five years. They were four and thirteen straight up last year. That a a 4-13 Pythag, so they were as bad as the record indicates. 31st in DVOA, 28th in SRS by pro football reference. They were 6-11 and against the number, so they played a little bit above expectations, but the expectations were so low. The progression metrics are pretty obvious. They were 30th in adjusted games lost to injury, so decimated by injury. Uh, Daniel Jones only started, I think, 13 games last year. They ended up starting Mike Lennon and Jacob Fromm, which is even further embarrassment to the New York Giants fan base. They had the second-hardest strength to schedule last year, and they go to the fourth-easiest strength to schedule um, this season. They overhauled the front office and coaching staff. They brought in Joe Schoen 
as the GM poached him from the Buffalo Bills. Also poached Buffalo Bills former offensive coordinator Brian Dable as the head coach. And they picked up Wink Martindale, who is like a legendary defensive coordinator that worked for years for the um, for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so I know you don't like the, the Giants and you're not high on their chances this year, but um, do you have any bets here with them? I actually don't hate the Giants. Um, so per, I, I think you were using football outsiders. Warren Sharp has them as the number one strength of schedule, like the yeah. easiest. Yeah. Um, I think there is value there and I like the additions they brought in. I like Dalba. I mean, bringing in someone that was coaching Josh Allen to no one should ever compare Daniel Jones to Josh Allen, but some of the, there are like a few weird similarities in my mind. And it's that they're both active. They can kind of keep the same play style. All you're going to ask Daniel Jones to do is to be a little accurate like Allen. Sure, that might be easier said than done considering his uh, passing completion percentage. was He was actually at a career-high passing completion percentage last year. And New York will have Saquon Barkley back. They improved their defensive line. The Giants were tied for the ninth fewest sacks last year, so Kevon Thibodeau should be a factor. And honestly, they were 2-6 and six when Barkley um, had at least 13 rushes. He's going to be back this year. I kind of think Washington's going to regress. And then on the other hand, they brought in um, Mark Blazinski. He's a guard guard from the Colts. And then they brought in Tyrod Taylor too. And I think this is kind of where my point lies is if Daniel Jones goes 0-4, 0-5, I think he could get pulled instantly. I mean, he has a 12-25 and record, and they brought in Tyrod Taylor, and Tyrod Taylor has been a winner throughout his career. I mean, he hasn't been great, but he took a, a Bills team. He's won over seven games three times, which isn't great, but I think that could be enough to finish in third place. And the Giants are heavy favorites to finish last in this division, but with the easiest record with Barkley back, I think – I mean, I'm putting a lot of faith in Dalbo. Um, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his Dable. name right, but I'm putting a lot of faith that he transformed Josh Allen and that he can do something similar to Daniel Jones. And I'm going to play Giants to finish third in the division at plus 250. I think the payout's kind of nice for it. And I think there's going to be a team that's not the Giants that is worse than the Giants. Okay. Um, there are some similarities between Daniel Jones and Josh Allen. I mean, they're both – Big athletic white dudes. That that's pretty yeah, obvious, and that's, right? They both can run their asses off. Um, Josh Allen is just I mean, unless an alpha. you remember that uh that trip fumble play. Well, I mean, he ran so fast that he couldn't stay up. <laughs> <laughs> I, you can work with that. No, no. I mean, I saw like, that today. I saw that today, and I knew I had to mention it. Oh, that's fine. Um, Daniel Jones is obviously a super poor man's Josh Allen, but there are reasons to think that. Dayball can work with him and work with the 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 offense. I mean, Andrew Thomas is a left tackle we drafted a couple years ago, who's really really good, shown um, potential to being a top five left tackle in the game. We just drafted Evan Neal with the seventh pick to play right tackle. Again, we uh, brought in John Feliciano, who used to be an uh, offensive lineman for the Buffalo Bills. Here's the funny so. You can we anyone can shit on Daniel Jones all they want. Just to give you an idea of how terrible his situation was last year, he went from Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator to Freddie Kitchens. Like 
The Giants fired Jason Garrett and said, you're not getting it done. They went to Freddie Kitchens. That's how bad it was. That's how bad it was. That's your franchise. That's your franchise, baby. I trust in him this year. He's got... I, I, I'm ready. Like I am this close. If Daniel Jones zone four, I will be pounding the table for Tyrod Taylor. I like Tyrod Taylor, and the Texans were feisty last year with him in the starting lineup. Um, he, but Daniel Jones, and this is pretty much sums up his career: thirty-eight career games, forty-nine turnovers. That's it. That's it. I mean, I can live with errant passes. You know, I watched Eli Manning his whole career. I can live with a couple what the fuck was that throws. <laughs> I can't live with you don't see the defensive end coming from your backside and he just strip sacks you. I can't live with that. Like I can live with the oh my God, what was that throw? Well you threw it into double coverage. Well I love your explanations. No They're- but do you feel me? Like it's it's the strip sack fumbles where it's just like, do you have tiny midget hands? What are you doing? How do you, how can you never hang on to the ball? I can live with bad throws. I can't live with um, uh, strip sack fumbles, but I. But there is there should be reason to believe that Thomas and Neal can be better at protecting those backsides. Um, yeah, a lot of it is on the quarterback. A lot of it is on the scheme. I think Brian Dayball is going to help them both. So I do think, like, I think there's a chance the the Giants could make the playoffs, could win nine games. I would probably lean more to the under, if I'm being honest. But, again, the under is minus 145. And with their easy schedule, with with the coaching staff being just heads and shoulders above the previous regime with Joe Judge, I don't see any value. If I'm being honest, I don't see any value in betting their under. I, I just don't. You know, so, um, you know, my stance, I completely agree with that. I think they have a better year and I, I think people forget how good Saquon Barkley is. Like if he's actually going to try and like, or if like, and if he's going to be put in the situations to thrive, I mean, I mean, Kadarius, Kadarius, Tony, I was just about to say their, their weapons are going to be much better too. Who did they draft? And they even drafted, um, Wandale Robinson from in the second round. He's not, I mean, he's going to be more like, a versatile do-it-all kick returner probably his first year. I'm not sure he's going to be like super heavily involved. Yeah. He's our fourth wide offense. receiver. Like whatever. How yeah, much are you I, counting on him? Well, hopefully not a lot. Ex- ex- exactly. But if, if he's your fourth receiver and he's lightning fast, you're going to be fine. Um, Tony will be improved. Sterling Shepard's going to be fine. And then didn't you have Kenny Galladay there too? Yeah. Like I, I, mean, I don't think he's bad. Like I, I, I put that in the coaching staff last year and the fact that Jake Fromm and Mike Glennon was throwing him the ball half the fucking year. Yeah, I just think there's so much room for improvement that if they can be better than Washington, I'm going to make – like I think Giants to finish third is just – I think they're going to be a fun team. I think it'll be a bet that I actually place, and I think it'll be a a bet that should be able to hit. And that's whether they're bad, whether there's just an – maybe Jalen Hurts gets injured and the Eagles lose 20 games. Who knows? Um, 20? That would be crazy. I mean that's just what ha- I mean. That's kind of what happens when you run so much. Is so Hertz all the preseason, down. then all seventeen. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, they go. What What would that even be? One in one in twenty if you count preseason. Uh, no, you, no, no. You could. You, they could yeah. be zero in twenty yeah. with the preseason. I just, I just think there's a lot in this division, and it's, it's the Giants to improve upon, and other teams to potentially regress. If the If the Eagles finish zero in twenty, I will fly into Philadelphia International Airport naked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to uh, wave my little I'm, dingus around that airport 
I'm really hoping I don't see a freaking Philadelphia Eagles win this year. <laughs> I, right. I, you know what? No, no. I actually want you know the Philadelphia should win. I don't want to see what would happen if they lose. Oh, if they went zero and twenty. Yeah, my 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 brain would break. I don't know. I do a lot of weird stuff. Um, all right, let's wrap this puppy up. I that's all I got on the uh, the, the Giants. I do. <laughs> I'm a I'm a sucker fan. Whatever I do, kind of lean to the dual forecast: Cowboys, Giants plus six hundred to finish first or second. Either way, I don't hate that. But I, I'm not giving it out as a best bet. And we're actually going to do the best bets right now at the uh, at our segment we like to call "Going to the Window." The Bet Slipping Podcast. Going to the window. All right, so I got two sprinkles. I'm going to do a better job of tracking this stuff and reporting it at the end of the year. This is our second. Um, NFL divisional preview, uh, but I, I have two sprinkles and, and one bet that I that I like where I'll put a full unit on it. My the, the full unit bet, I'm going um, the Philadelphia Eagles under eight and a half wins plus one fifty five. I like that chunky payout, but I would still put a full unit on Eagles under nine and a half at plus one hundred. I actually probably. I don't care which one to take. I, I, I like them both, to be honest. One for the payout and one for because I don't see the Eagles win 10 games. Uh, what yeah, you, I, think, I think I'm going Cowboys 1, Eagles 2 at plus 270. I, I just don't think there's either way the Giants or Commanders, the commies, get up there. So even though I'm not super high on the Eagles, I don't – like I said, Eagles, Cowboys 1-2 or Cowboys, Eagles 1-2 plus 270. And then Giants to finish third. Super low on Washington. That's going to be a plus two hundred and fifty. Gotcha. So, um, I, the two sprinkles I like. I'll take both wide receiver, um, wide receiver, most wide receiver yard props. Terry McLaurin to have the most wide receiver yards is plus five thousand. It's a pay. It's a it's a juicier payout in the next one. But I would go like point one five units on that. So like if your standard bet. Is a hundred dollars? Put fifteen dollars on that one to win what? Uh, Seven hundred and fifty bucks, and then the other one, uh, um, CD Lamb to have the most receiving yards plus thirteen hundred. Again, if if you bet a hundred dollars, I put like maybe ten dollars on that one to win one hundred and thirty. Um, so I, I definitely load up on the Eagles if you like my um, if you like my picks here. But that's what I have. Do you have anything else in your bet slip for the NFC East? Nope, I think uh, other divisions will be better, but I had fun with this one. Well, I mean, I hope all you guys like this podcast. I'm going to tune in the next week because despite how um, negative we were, we are actually going to cover the AFC South next week. So, um, And I'm going to be thrilled to do it. <laughs> all right, cool. And I'll be thrilled to do it. I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Best of luck on all your gambles. Um, there's still some time, very little, albeit, but check out our – uh, open championship preview featuring Cam De Silva. We'll be back next week to talk about the AFC South. But until then, peace. This is the Bet Slipping Podcast featuring Jeff Clark from USA Today Sportsbook Wire. I bet you twenty bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I mean, it's the gambling business. Occasionally, get punched in the face. You're listening to the Bet Slipping Podcast. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. 